Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, look, British Columbia is known for having perhaps the most diversified economy among all the provinces. It stretches from energy and lumber exports to, you know, that burgeoning tech and services sectors there. But what exactly is driving the nitty gritty of our economy when it comes to exports as a whole? Our guest today has developed a primer on this very subject taken a deep dive into the economy. And I'd like to welcome onto the show, Ken Peacock. He is Chief Economist at the Business Council of British Columbia. Ken, thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, very welcome. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Okay. Now, it seems like a very basic question, but I think it's a very important one. Uh, But how are you defining uh, exports in this primer that you've developed here? Yeah, the uh, it's it's a good place to kick off, Tyler. The just just for for listeners, it's it's helpful to recognize uh, when economists talk about exports, the main thing they're concerned about is the flow of income. So when we sell something outside of our borders, it results in the inbound flow of income from another jurisdiction. So people are all very familiar with you know, lumber exports, mining product exports, machinery that we build here in British Columbia and ship across borders, uh, mostly to the United States, but other parts of the world as well. Uh, but our services also count. So if we sell uh, an architectural design outside of the borders uh, of British Columbia, that counts as an export. But we also want to be a little bit careful in an attempt to be comprehensive. Services that are consumed in the province um, are also counted as exports if they result in income flowing into BC from outside of the, the border. So the classic example, of course, is tourism. But in BC, uh, film and television production, finance from uh, the United States mostly, also counts as a large export. Uh, technology services are exports. And we also have a, a broad array of, of different professional services, uh, like the architectural services, I was mentioning legal services as well. And then finally, we uh, also have a fair amount of educational exports, and we can get into some further discussion on that. But the key, the key point, uh, you alluded to it, Tyler, is BC has this diversified export base, and it is quite a bit more diversified than other provinces. Uh, But the question is, how can we grow that if we're interested in advancing prosperity and becoming wealthier over time? How do we grow and and foster a a broader and bigger export base in in British Columbia? Let's talk about that a little later on, because I'm very curious, because the the picture that people often paint about BC is that we are very much kind of this resources driven economy, but we are trying to kind of diversify more and more. You know, the, the technology sector, for example, has grown quite significantly over the last few years. Um, Are we still very much that resources-driven economy that we're always kind of thinking of ourselves to be? Uh, the, the short answer there, Tyler, is is yes. And going through this exercise of actually quantifying and, and taking a close look at what BC's export base uh, is, it was useful and it was actually helpful for me. I spent a lot of time, of course, studying the BC economy and what, what makes it tick and and what's important and, and po- related policies and whatnot. But, but even I was kind of taken aback just to see the ongoing uh, presence and footprint of resources and related resource activity in the BC economy. Essentially, Tyler, uh, a kind of a stylized fact that's good to work with is when we look at the entire export landscape, so goods and services, uh, resources and the related manufacturing and processing of resources goods, and, and here I'm including agricultural products as well, 
Um, they account for about half, uh, very, very close to half of all BC's uh, exports. So I kind of just, in, in the little blog we wrote up, I just said, you know, a stylized fact that's useful for policymakers to work with is the resources and the land-based activity in BC uh, amount to about half of all exports in British Columbia. Which is a pretty significant number. And I, okay. I think like I'll, I'll go back and just kind of clarify for a lot of listeners out there. The, you're presenting data from 2018. It's kind of a snapshot of the economy before we went through this uh, very tumultuous time. Um, you kind of explain why, like even if we had data from this pandemic area, it, it, it kind of would have not painted quite the right picture of the BC economy. Can, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's uh, happy to. The, um, the, the kind of the point of the exercise was just, if I go back a minute, is uh, listeners may be aware that the province, the provincial government has uh, undertaken and, and released this economic uh, development plan or strategy. And a part of that, one important tenant of that uh, strategy is um, a plan or a strategy to grow the province's export base and grow exports. So this prompted me to, uh, to again, take this closer look at, and, and deeper dive uh, into the export sector. Um, and the, so, sorry, remind me again, what, what were you asking there? I lost well, my just it's just kind of interesting because, like, look, the, the economy has just kind of been upended uh, by the pandemic. But oh, yes, 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 yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah, so so it's 2018 data. Um, sort of the technical reason for that is because it takes Statistics Canada a long time to compile uh, all this information and detail on services in particular. But uh, park that for the moment. It is the most recent data available. But apart from that, uh, if we were looking at what happened, say, a, a snapshot of the export base in in 2020, it would have provided a very distorted picture for what we were trying to accomplish here. We're trying to, you know, suggest to policymakers, this is the makeup of uh, what BC exports and BC's export base. And if we took a look at 2020, of course, tourism would be hugely diminished. Film and television was shuttered for uh, half a year, if not two thirds of a year. And the education, international education export sector was also greatly diminished. So we would have uh, been vastly understating the importance of services if we look at like, 2020, even 2021 data. So uh, the fact that it's a little bit old, the 2018 information that is the most recent available, uh, it's too bad that we didn't have more recent information for sure. But in this particular circumstance, I'm actually happier having data that predates the pandemic than trying to, you know, develop, uh, develop a framework or a, a picture of BC's export base mid-pandemic. That wouldn't have given us a, a, a sort of a true, true picture. Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought up, you know, tourism as well as the film TV sectors, because like <laughs> that, that was a, a very different um, how they've kind of, you know, bounced back over the last two years. Um, I, I would say that the tourism sector hasn't really had a chance to bounce back. Whereas you look at uh, film TV uh, data from the Canadian Media Producers Association shows that it was able to quickly bounce back after being shuttered for so long. Is there hope? That tourism, when you know restrictions loosen up even further, that, that maybe this summer is when we get a bit of a bounce back, or is this going to be just one of those sectors? It, it's going to be tough to help it grow, as you're saying about kind of uh, what can we do to make exports grow in British Columbia? Yeah, I think I think yeah. First of all, we do we do need to get all all that tourism activity that we had prior to the pandemic. We need to get that back. Uh, and you know, I, as I look out, 
Tyler, I think more and more it's uh, it is looking like we're going to see a pretty strong snapback in tourism, and and I say that just because of re- reports of airports being filled up and just talking to people, uh, and a lot of people have trips planned, uh, flows across borders are increasing. So I do think we're going to get a fairly vigorous snapback here in British Columbia. Uh, it, it's just a, it's just a question of, I mean, maybe we get fifty or sixty percent snapback, but but that last. That last leg may, may be more challenging. It's it's really it's kind of a, a wait and see thing, I think, Tyler. But for the most part, I, I do think BC's tourism industry is finally going to see uh, a, a surge or a big uptick in the number of international visitors. And it has been a very long time. What about, uh, I'll throw this out, uh, I, I don't want to uh, make it seem as if the tourism sector is going to have a tough time, but just the labor issues that uh, are going on, the shortages here, is that going to be perhaps the number one concern for tourism moving forward? Uh, yeah, one, one, one suspects it is going to be challenging. And I, I, I say that mo- mostly because if we look at the job market right now, Tyler, uh, it, we have, we're in a position where we've uh, more than recovered in terms of the total number of jobs in the province. Uh, and in fact, employment, it's up prior from when uh, the pandemic started. But within that kind of broad picture recovery, the tourism and hospitality sectors, so lodging and uh, accommodation, as well as food services, the number of people working in those areas, as well as some other service sectors, uh, is well below pandemic, pre-pandemic levels. So it definitely raises the question, if we essentially uh, have the lowest unemployment rate on record or, or bumping right up against it, uh, and there's these segments that are still, um, you know, operating at maybe half or two thirds capacity. Where those people are going to come from to fill those positions is definitely uh, a, a question. That, and you have appropriately identified it as a concern for the sector. Uh, they will be able to find people and, you know, you know if uh, pay somewhat higher wages and, and attract people. But when you look at the big picture, it really does look like it's going to be a challenge for the sector, uh, fi- finding the number of people they need to fully reopen. I just I I keep having questions about what they're going to do because so many people in that industry they they've moved careers and I I don't know how excited they are to you know ship back to uh, this sector in, in which they got laid off and it's going to be tough but it's you know I'm I'm getting ready to travel myself I know that I'll be putting tourism dollars to other jurisdictions and so there's, there's definitely a market there it's just being able to. Uh, I, I guess, tap into that uh, market that's awaiting. So that's going to be something interesting to follow just in the coming months uh, and looking at the data that we get eventually from this. But uh, I'll jump over to maybe kind of the, the one of the big topics at hand. But um, is there some ideas, some policies that could be, you know, uh, unfurled that would help us be able to grow our exports here in BC in kind of a, a, a pretty straightforward way? Or is it a little bit more complex than that? It's complex. I think one of the very useful things uh, for people who are, who actually are try, tr- truly trying to make some advances in this area and, and uh, you know make a more robust export base and grow a more ro- robust export base in the province, um, the thing that really emerges from going through the data and, and looking at this picture, and I strongly encourage anyone listening to, to hop on our website and take a look at at uh, just this summary uh, graph, it's actually—I think they call it a tree graph—but it, it in one place, very, very succinctly and 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 cleanly presents what BC's export base is. And going through that exercise, I, I, what emerges is it, it becomes very evident that it, that it's important to protect or or at least work hard not to undermine our existing export base. 
And when you look at the fact that resources and related processing activity, all this land-based activity accounts for half of everything we do, one does become concerned about the, the mounting challenges uh, of operating on the province's land base, getting permits approved, uh, and all these other things. It's very complicated and time-consuming. So my first, uh, my first initial cut at kind of what kind of policies could be put in place to help would be kind of a do no more damage uh, and continue to support our existing industry structure and our existing base. Because at the, at the end of the day, Tyler, what we're really asking here is what is BC good at producing that the rest of the world wants to buy from us? And when you ask that question, the first thing a person should do is, is ask themselves, well, what are we currently selling to the rest of the world? And so going through that exercise, uh, the land base and doing what we can to to ensure uh, they, they can compete in international markets and continue to attract capital investment into these industries, absolutely paramount. Um, and then non-resource manufacturing has long been on our radar. And this is kind of the smaller niche, niche sectors in and around the lower mainland and other, other parts of the provinces, not linked to resources. But this is very much a growth area. So anything that can be done to uh, support manufacturing, uh, reduce the cost of capital, uh, you know, and, and invariably, Tyler, we're going to bump up into the uh, PST, GST debate here as a way to improve the uh, investment landscape broadly. But uh, that, that is another area. And I'm just, uh, I'll let you circle in for another question or a follow-up question here. But I do just want to highlight the gateway. Uh, and the gateway is, the, of course, the transportation services that connect BC and Canada to international markets. This, is, uh, this features as a very prominent export sector in the British Columbia economy. Uh, a growth area, and this is an area that the government has identified uh, a potential growth area and an area for additional investment, and we would strongly support that. And I just mentioned the gateway uh, for an additional reason. It's a large source of export earnings in its own right, but it also facilitates all the merchandise trade and exporting activity in the province and across the country. So it has this extra role that it plays as a facilitator of trade. So, and then we can get into film and technology and some of the other uh, other sectors if you had some more specific questions, Tyler. Well, it sounds as if you're trying to spark a, a political hot potato with talk of uh, uh, HST uh, coming into <laughs> BC <laughs> once again. Um, economists, though, generally kind of think we need this, though. It might not be pretty and uh, might get a lot of pushback, but do you think that that is something that needs to happen eventually? Yeah, I, I, you know, just be because of the sensitivity around it, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's time or the, the time is right or it's appropriate for a, advancing an HST argument. But there is there is no doubt, it's very clear that, that most people won't, won't know this, but the provincial sales tax... Uh, although it's widely viewed as a consumption tax, a, a type of consumption tax on consumers because we pay the retail sales tax when we buy bicycles and helmets and, and some food products and, and whatnot. Um, it, it's actually a 40% of all the PST revenue collected in the province comes from business inputs. So when businesses buy uh, tools and equipment that go into their production process, vehicles, uh, even some of the inputs that go into the actual production process, they will pay taxes on this. Service companies as well will pay T PST on their inputs. So anything that the government can do to reduce 
Uh, the taxation of inputs into business, particularly capital inputs, which make companies more productive and workers more productive, would be helpful. So one could envision, rather than a wholesale change uh, in the PST framework, continuing to broaden out some of the exemptions on these capital inputs into, into business operations. That would be one way uh, of proceeding. But the government also has to be alive and sensitive to, to rising costs in other areas, Tyler. Uh, we have the employer's health tax put in place a few years ago. Uh, other forms of payroll taxes are rising. And of course, we're in this inflationary environment that everyone's struggling with. So I think it's just it's becoming a more and more challenging environment for exporters to remain competitive. And that competitive landscape is really something that the government needs to have its eye on if it's indeed serious about growing exports and BC's export base. Well, uh, this week, I, I am going to plug a story that I have in this week's newspaper. It'll go online a little bit later on this week. Uh, you're featured in it as well, Ken. But uh, we're talking about the, the film and TV sector here. It, it's an export. It, it's, you know, uh, this service work that we're doing uh, for, you know, these foreign companies. Uh, how important is this to the economy right now, especially when we look at uh, how much it's grown just over the last 10 or 15 years? Yeah, you put you put your finger right on it. The growth rate in the film and television sector is... is almost remarkable is it's bumping right up against being remarkable uh you know over about a five or six year span the value of exports that statistics canada tracks and measures in the film and television space uh more than quadrupled so it's it's kind of risen from um i don't know let, let's say let's say something less than one percent of all bc's exports to being actually quite a significant uh, component of the export base three and a half maybe maybe four percent and this is this is a few years back, so uh, the the extraordinarily fast expansion of the film and TV sector, I think, is poised to continue for the next few years. Maybe not at the same rate that we saw over the past four or five years, but uh, I actually think I absolutely think it's going to become a, a, a bigger part of BC's export base and a more important part. Uh, and you know, it's it's very much sustainable and very much scalable as well. Well, actually, Ken, I could pick your brain for another uh, 20 minutes here. I will let you go, though. Uh, but uh, I, if anybody's looking for this primer that you've developed, uh, go to the uh, Business Council of BC website there. Uh, there is a link uh, right up front. Uh, it, it's a good read. It's worth read just for understanding what our economy is all about, what's growing, and, and what our economy is based on. So, uh, Ken, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Tyler. That is Ken Peacock. He is Chief Economist at the Business Council of BC, and that is it for BIV today. But we'll be on tomorrow. We've got lots of interviews in store. And look, go to BIV.com. We can find videos there, stories, everything you could ever hope for when it comes to business news here in British Columbia. I just want to thank everybody for listening. I'm Tyler Orchett.